W262CP Bayonet Point. Brought to you by Moss Nissan. Simply the best Nissan dealership around. Up next is Verse by Verse. Sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. Jesus is about to say some very hard things to them. He's about to tell them the truth about themselves. They were blind to the truth. They really had blind spots and didn't see what they were really like. So he has some very strong words to say to them. And so this description of himself is fitting. He's building a case. He's saying that I'm the only one qualified to really say these things to you. From Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida, this is Verse by Verse with Pastor Steve Kreloff. Our class today is the first part of a two-part message on the church at Laodicea. This is the last of the seven churches that are described in the New Testament book of Revelation, chapters 2 and 3. The church at Laodicea was a lukewarm church at best, and Jesus Christ, the author of the seven letters to the churches, had nothing good to say about this church. They thought they had everything, but Jesus told them they were blind, destitute, and naked. It will be an interesting study, so stay tuned. Lakeside Community Chapel is located at 1893 Sunset Point Road in Clearwater, between US 19 and the beaches. If you are looking for a home church that preaches the Word of God, Lakeside is that kind of church. Pastor Steve would welcome a visit from you at any service. And you may call the church at 727-441-1714 for information about service times. That's 727-441-1714. And now with today's class, here is Pastor Steve. As we continue our study of the book of Revelation, let's open our Bibles to Revelation chapter 3. And I want to read to you the last section of this chapter, starting at verse 14. To the angel of the church in Laodicea, write the Amen, the faithful and true witness. The beginning of the creation of God says this, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing. And you do not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may become rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourselves and that the shame of your nakedness will not be revealed. And I salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see those whom I love. I reprove and discipline. Therefore, be zealous And repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and will dine with him and he with me. He who overcomes, I will grant to him to sit down with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. There are times in my ministry when someone will ask me, well, what kind of a church do you pastor? What is a lakeside community chapel? And what they're really asking is, are you part of a denomination? Are you part of an affiliation? What kind of brand of Christianity are you? And I usually tell them that uh, I pastor an independent Bible church. 
And by that I mean a church that is self-governing. We're not part of a denomination. We don't have any specific official affiliation with other churches. That's what I mean by that. But there is another kind of independent church. There's an independent church that is so independent, they don't really need the Lord. I trust by God's grace we're not like that, but the church that I just read to you, the church at Laodicea, they were like that. They were an independent church in the wrong sense. Now, tonight we want to finish up with this study, the seven churches of Asia Minor. We have looked and visited six of them tonight, the seventh, and we've seen a number of different churches. We have seen churches that were orthodox but cold in in their love for Christ. We've seen churches that were persecuted but pure in their walk with Christ, loyal in doctrine, but at times compromising in tolerance of sin. We've seen dead churches. We've seen uh, missionary-minded churches. The church at Philadelphia was a missionary-minded church. But tonight, we get to see really the worst of all of the churches. The church at Laodicea was only about 40 miles away from the church of Philadelphia, but they were worlds apart in their spiritual condition. This is really the worst of all the churches, and I say that because there's not one good thing that the Lord has to say to this church. Nothing. We're going to meet a self-sufficient church, independent church, a lukewarm church that Jesus said nauseates him. Now, as with the other churches, the way it's laid out, there's usually four or five, sometimes six categories that express the letter. Tonight, we'll look at four of these categories. We begin by looking at the correspondent to the church. Verse 14 says, to the angel of the church in Laodicea, write the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God says this. Once again, the correspondent or the author of this letter to the church is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Now, with most of these letters, they're based on the the imagery of the vision given of the glorified Christ in Revelation chapter 1. A few of these churches, that's not the case, and that's, that's the case here. He's about to say some very hard things to them. He's about to tell them the truth about themselves. They were blind to the truth. They really had blind spots and didn't see what they were really like. So he has some very strong words to say to them. And so this description of himself is fitting. He's building a case. He's saying that I'm the only one qualified to really say these things to you. Number one, he describes himself not based on the vision so much of Revelation 1, but he describes himself as exactly fitting the situation of the church to whom he's writing, in this case, the church of Laodicea. He presents himself in three ways. Now, let me say that the reason he presents himself this way is because he's giving his credentials. He's about to say some things to them that they have never heard before. He's about to say some very hard things to them. He's about to tell them the truth about themselves. They were blind to the truth. They really had blind spots and didn't see what they were really like. So he has some very strong words to say to them. And so this description of himself is fitting. He's building a case. He's saying that I'm the only one qualified to really say these things to you. Number one, he calls himself the amen. The amen is a word that we use in Christian circles. Usually at the end of a prayer, we say in Jesus' name, Amen. Sometimes it's used in churches or when someone's speaking, even one-on-one, someone says amen. It simply means so be it. It's a statement of sort of affirmation. I agree with you. 
It's true. You can count on this. It's right. It's sort of the uh, saying, God said it and that settles it. That's, that's all wrapped up in the word, amen. It's just a way of affirming a statement to be true. Jesus calls himself the amen because what he has to say to this church is true. It's valid. He has credibility. He guarantees it. He's the guarantee of God's promises. He is the great amen. His words are true, and so they can be relied upon. Jesus is the truth, and he speaks always the truth. Secondly, related to this concept of he's the amen who is the truth, he says he calls himself the faithful and the true witness. His testimony is faithful, completely trustworthy. What he has to say to the church at Laodicea is going to conflict with their own opinions about themselves. And so they need to understand that his words are not biased. They are totally reliable. He tells it the way it really is. He is the faithful and true witness, even if they don't see it. What he's telling them about themselves is absolutely reliable. Number three, he calls himself the beginning of the creation of God. Now, this does not mean that Jesus Christ was a created being, but rather that he brought creation, the creation of God, into being. In other words, he inaugurated creation, which is to say that he is the creator. You see, the Greek word for beginning means source or origin. So Jesus Christ is the creator. Creation has its source in him. That's what he's saying. And we know that from from other scripture. For example, Colossians chapter 1 verse 16 says, for by him all things were created. All things were created. John chapter 1 Verse 3, the the greatest affirmation of the deity of Christ as, as creator, all things came into being through him and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. So he is the creator. He's not a created being. He is the creator, and that's what he is claiming right here. Now, why does Jesus present himself to the church at Laodicea as the amen, the faithful and true witness and the creator? Because this church has problems, serious problems, and all their problems revolve around the attitude of being independent and self-sufficient. Therefore, they needed someone to tell them the way it really was. They were operating apart from their creator. Not just the one who created the worlds, but the one who brought their church into existence, the source of creation. And who better... And to tell them than the one who brought them into existence, their creator. Who better than to tell them the way things really are than the truth, the faithful witness, the amen, the one who is their creator. What Jesus has to say to this church is so penetrating that they could receive it from no one else and would receive it from no one else but him. He is the amen the faithful and true witness, always speaking the truth, he's their creator. He's the one who brought them into existence. So he is the correspondent to this letter, and his description is geared to what he has to say. So what does he have to say? What is their spiritual condition? We move from the correspondent to their spiritual condition. Verse 15, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. This is a church that Jesus said 
is lukewarm. Lukewarm rather than hot or cold in their relationship with him. That's what he's talking about. He's talking about their, their passion for him, their relationship with him, the warmth of their relationship. They're, they're lukewarm. They weren't cold or hot. Now, understand this. To the citizen of Laodicea, they understood exactly what he was talking about. And let me give you a background of this. These expressions of, of two varying temperatures were vividly clear to the Laodicean church because there were two cities very near to Laodicea. If you have a Bible map in your, in your Bible, so the back of your Bibles, you'll see near Laodicea were two cities, Heropolis and Colossae. Colossae, we have a letter to the Colossians was to the church at Colossae, but Heropolis was noted for its hot medicinal waters, very close to Laodicea. They were a city noted to have hot medicinal waters. People came from all around to, to bathe in those hot medicinal waters. Colossae, on the other hand, which was also near Laodicea, was noted for its refreshing, cold pure springs of water. But Laodicea's water was piped in through an aqueduct from a, uh, a spring that was about four miles away. And so by the time it reached Laodicea, it was nauseatingly lukewarm. Lukewarm. The water was really disgusting. Lukewarm. It was, it was flat mineral water. Flat mineral water. One scholar says that Laodicea's water was so unsavory that visitors often vomited after drinking it. Vomited after drinking it. And that's why Jesus said in verse 16, so because you are lukewarm, just like the water being piped into your city, and neither hot nor cold, I'll spit you out of my mouth. Literally, the word is I'll vomit you. Avam, you, you nauseate me. Just like the water was nauseating to a visitor who is not used to that city, to take such flat, stale water, they would often throw it up. You sicken me, he says. Now, what does it mean to be a lukewarm church, or for that matter, a lukewarm Christian? Because a lukewarm church is made up of lukewarm Christians. Well, going back to the image that Christ gave of the Laodiceans uh, and the waters of these neighboring towns, We'd have to say that to be a lukewarm Christian or church means to be useless to Christ, absolutely useless. See, the hot waters of Heropolis were medicinal in nature, useful, helpful, and the cold waters of Colossae were useful too. Uh, they were refreshing. They helped people. They had a, they had a purpose. They were, they were useful, but there is nothing useful about lukewarm water. It's really nauseating. That's why a good waiter or waitress will keep adding hot coffee or give you another cup of coffee. Nobody wants lukewarm coffee. The same thing with, with iced tea. They'll, they'll fill it up again because nobody wants just tepid iced tea. Lukewarm beverages are just kind of disgusting and they're useless. Nobody wants them. That's the way this church was. That's the way this church was. And Jesus said, I'm going to spit you out. I'm going to throw you up. I'm going to vomit you out. Now, it does not mean the loss of salvation. 
The rest of Scripture makes that abundantly clear. It just means I'm going to remove you as a church from your place of witness. You're, you're useless. You're ineffective. You serve no purpose. We would say you're good for nothing. I brought you into existence. I'm going to take you out of existence. Lukewarmness in the life of a Christian is the sin that nauseates Jesus Christ. Because it's the sin that, as he puts it here, makes him want to throw up. This is why he speaks of this in such strong language. So why is lukewarmness such a disgusting sin to Christ? Because it's the sin of being half-hearted. It's not enthusiastic. It's, it's one who professes to know Christ, but there's no passion there. You're not antagonistic, but there's nothing else going on. You're just playing little Christian games. It's the person who claims to know Christ, who goes to church and just sits and soaks it up and never applies the word, has all the Christian cliches, but there's nothing there. There's, there's no substance to their Christianity. They just, as someone said, sit soak and just grow sour. They're indifferent to biblical truth. They don't apply the word. At least Jesus said, I'd rather you be cold, but you're not. At least if someone were cold in their attitude towards Christ, you can deal with them. You could show them a need. Look, you're you're cold, you're, you're frigid, you hate Christ. At least you could point out to them their need. But a lukewarm professing believer doesn't see any need in his life. He's very comfortable. He's he's very complacent. He's stagnant. He doesn't see that there's a problem in his life. And Jesus said, that I find nauseating. And that's why the Lord goes on in verse 17 to further give them insight into their spiritual condition. They don't see that there's a problem. And that's why he says in verse 17, because you say... I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing. And you do not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. You see, the church at Laodicea thought everything was fine. That's indicative of a lukewarm church and a lukewarm Christian. You think everything's fine. They didn't see and understand their true spiritual condition. They had deceived themselves into thinking everything is okay. They said, I'm rich and I've become wealthy and have need of nothing. However, the amen, the faithful and true witness says, you don't know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and you're blind and you're naked. Now let's, let's probe into this and see what he was talking about. The church, this church had a lot of money. It had a lot of money. It was located in a very wealthy city. The city of Laodicea was known for its wealth. In fact, there was a banking center. It was a banking center, that city. It was very wealthy. In fact, the people, the citizens of Laodicea prided themselves on their riches. They had a, a severe earthquake in the year A.D. 17, which actually devastated the entire city. Now, Rome, the Roman government, offered to rebuild the city, but they said, no, we don't need your money. We'll do it ourselves. We have the money with our own resources. So out of their pride, 
they rebuilt the city. But you see, what this indicated was they were not only wealthy, but there was a spirit of independence that caused them to spurn outside help. We don't want anybody's help. We'll take care of ourselves. And apparently, this very arrogant, proud, independent spirit of the citizens of that city contaminated the church. The church became like the city because it believed that it did not need, note this, God's help. They didn't need God's help. They had money and they thought they needed nothing else. That's what Jesus is saying. You say, I'm rich and have become wealthy. How wrong they were, though. They didn't think they needed God's help. Perhaps they assumed that outward prosperity was synonymous with spiritual success, as some churches still do. But the truth of the matter is far different, was far different. Notice what Jesus said in verse 17 about them. They said, I'm rich, I've become wealthy, and I have, have need of nothing, not even the Lord's help. They're so independent. But you don't know, he said, you're wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Folks, there are churches and there are Christians just like that today. They are self-deceived into thinking that they really can live without the Lord in absolute control of their lives. They are self-sufficient. They really don't need anyone but themselves. They are materialistic and they are content with their riches, their social prominence, their social atmosphere. Listen, there are churches especially in the United States, that have lots of money, lots of wealthy people going there, social prominence, large membership, intellectual accomplishments, beautiful buildings, and they really don't think they need much else. That's it. They're very content. They are very self-sufficient. story is told of a man who visited a wealthy church like this. And there was a deacon there in the church who gave him a tour of this church. He showed him around the property. He pointed out the expensive architecture, the the costly chandeliers, the tapestries, the carpets, the pews. And then, then he said to the visitor, you name it and we have it. The visitor then asked this penetrating question. He said, when did you last have a revival? in your church. The deacon replied, oh, some churches have revivals, but we don't need that sort of thing here. That's a church of Laodicea. It's just like that. So it's not only churches, it's people. As I said, people make up, independent people make up independent churches. So you have to examine yourself. Am I like that? Am I a self-sufficient, carnally-minded Christian, complacent in my religiosity, indifferent to God's standards, then if that's the case, then you have to see yourself for what Jesus said about you. You're wretched. You don't know it, but you are. You're wretched. You're miserable. means someone who ought to be pitied. You're poor. You're blind. You're naked. You think that you're something when you're nothing. You've deceived yourself being a comfortable Christian who doesn't realize that you have great spiritual poverty, and great needs. Pastor Steve has made us aware that our own church, and possibly our own self, is in that sad condition of not knowing our spiritual condition. In our next class, he will give us the remedy for that condition. 
be sure to be here. To listen again to this study, just point your web browser to www.versebyverseradio.org. You can stream it or download it to share with a friend. There is no charge for this service. Check out the many other studies that are available to you. To order a CD containing both parts of this study on the church at Laodicea, call us at 727-239-0306. If no one answers your call, leave your name and a phone number, and someone will call you back during regular business office hours. That phone number again is 727-239-0306. Verse by Verse is a listener-supported ministry. We depend on your faithful prayers and giving to enable us to continue bringing these Bible studies on this great station. You can donate online by going to our website, www.versebyverseradio.org, and clicking on the Giving tab. Or call us at 727-239-0306. 